I won't let my moderate to severe plaque psoriasis symptoms define me. Emerge as you. In two clinical studies, Trimphia guselkumab, taken by injection, provided 90% clearer skin at 16 weeks in 7 out of 10 adults with moderate to severe plaque psoriasis. In a study, nearly 7 out of 10 patients with 90% clearer skin at 16 weeks were still clearer at 5 years. At 1 year and thereafter, patients and healthcare providers knew that Trimphia was being used. This may have increased results. Results may vary. Serious allergic reactions may occur. Trimphia may increase your risk of infections and lower your ability to fight them. Before treatment, your doctor should check you for infections and tuberculosis. Tell your doctor if you have an infection or symptoms of infection, including fever, sweats, chills, muscle aches, or cough. Tell your doctor if you had a vaccine or plan to. Emerge as you. Learn more about Tremphia, including important safety information at Tremphia.com or call 1-877-578-3527. See our ad in Food & Wine magazine. For patients prescribed Tremphia, cost support may be available. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com/activecash. Hello and welcome. It is Big Talk with Todd and Noah, presented by Xfinity 10G Network. We welcome you back. Episode number eight. We're more than halfway through the college football season at this point. It's hard to believe. I know that we've we've mentioned it to each other, but once you get going with these seasons, they fly. They fly by. Yeah, they do. And, you know, this is when it really starts to get fun. You know, I mean, it starts to feel more like fall. There's a little crisp coolness in the air and the leaves are changing and and then the games just seem to get more and more meaningful you know the further on you go and you know week seven was pretty wild I mean we had you know two games across the country that ended on a Hail Mary there were a couple games with just ridiculous comebacks you know so uh, it was it was really an exciting uh, week of games and of course there were a couple thrilling thrilling games that went down to the wire as well yeah what stood out to you in particular from last week Yeah, I mean, you know, the Oregon-Washington game lived up to the billing. You know, I mean, everybody thought that it was going to be a great game and uh, two high-powered offenses, two outstanding quarterbacks, and it was exactly that. You know, it was a shootout between those two teams. Both quarterbacks played extremely well, um, and it's ironic that um, they both played extremely well on the same day when Caleb Williams was struggling. And, and, you know, I think that, that that really hurt his Heisman or chances of repeating as the Heisman winner. And meanwhile, Michael Penix Jr. probably took a step forward in that race, even though there's a lot of big games left to be played. So, but I thought, I, I thought Bo Nix and Michael Penix Jr. put on a show. Um, I know Dan Lanning took a lot of heat for going for it on fourth down three times and failing all three times. You know, you could probably make an argument for all three decisions. Obviously, they were aggressive decisions. Uh, particularly the last one, you know, in in the field position, going for it on fourth and three, trying to ice the game. And, you know, that gave Washington another shot. It only took them two plays to take the lead. Uh, But they still had a chance to tie it and go to overtime, but they missed a field goal. So it was was a great football game, and both teams are really good. And, uh, you know, so so to me, that was the the game that stood out. That and the, uh, the dominant fashion that that Notre Dame rebounded in their win against USC as well yeah uh, before we move on to Notre Dame USC just anything else you want to hit on with Washington and Oregon just the fact of okay where where does this put Washington moving forward the rest of the year and a lot of people were were hoping they'd be ranked even higher than they are in this week's poll Uh, but it it does look like Washington and and realistically still Oregon are legitimate contenders for the rest of the year yeah, I think so. And, and, you know, ironically, USC, the game they lost, as ugly as it was, it was not a conference game. So they're right. still kind of where they want to be, but they've got a lot of things they got to answer and, and things they got to figure out uh, going forward. I just think that Oregon and, and Washington look very solid right now. And, you know, it, it, the Pac-12 is one of those leagues where everybody plays each other, you know, so there's going to be some heavy hitting games, you know, down the road still. Uh, Oregon State, I mean, don't even count them out. I mean, yep. they lost the one to Washington State, 
up in court, uh, you know, up in, at, in the Palouse and they've won every game since they had a huge win this past weekend. So, um, you know, they're, they're a team to be contending with uh, as well in the PAC 12. So it's going to be, you know, we've said this already. I mean, the, it's the last year of the PAC 12, as we know it. Uh, and they're really going to go out with a bang. Yeah. Arguably the best year we've had of that conference in quite some time. Speaking of USC, as mentioned, falls 48 to 20. A lot of people are, are looking at what USC did to hurt themselves, and rightfully yeah. so. It's the first time that Caleb Williams had three interceptions in a game. He had one all season coming into the game. A huge, huge performance from Xavier Watts defensively yeah. for Notre Dame. Two interceptions, a scoop and score in the fourth quarter. He was outstanding. You know, Sam Hartman wasn't necessarily eye-popping in his numbers, but he controlled the game when he needed to control the game. He came up with plays. Audrey Estime had two touchdowns. So, you know, you can look at the the USC miscues on one side, but I think you got to give Notre Dame a lot of credit after the way they played really the last couple of weeks after the the uh, Ohio State game, yeah. barely getting past Duke on the road, which is a very good team, top 20 team, and then losing to Louisville, who turned around and had that letdown yeah. loss to Pitt this past mm-hmm. week. But uh, give some credit to Notre Dame for the way they handled a rivalry game at home in front of their fans, and they delivered. Yeah, they had to respond, and they did. And I, I, I think – Primarily, it was the Notre Dame defense, you know, that really played lights out in the ball game. Um, yes, Caleb Williams made some uncharacteristic mistakes, but he made those mistakes because he was harassed and harried all yeah. evening. I mean, this Notre Dame defense controlled the line of scrimmage. Uh, they sacked him six times, and he's an elusive guy. That's not easy to do. Forced the interceptions. Uh, you know, this is Notre Dame only had 251 yards of total offense and won 48 to 20. So, I mean, obviously it was the defense that really uh, was the star of the game for Notre Dame. And, um, you know, not just, I mean, Caleb Williams will be fine. He'll, he'll bounce back and he'll play well. They play Utah this week. He'll probably play well. The offensive line, you know, everybody's talked about the defense for USC being the problem. The defense wasn't horrible in this game, but the offensive line was. So, I mean, that's like, I mean, they've got a lot of soul searching to do, uh, this week because, uh, you know, they've got Utah at home. And as we all know, Utah is, they're not an easy out. Uh, I mean, they are a physical, hard-nosed team um, that, that plays to win. Yeah, and last year they were the Trojans' kryptonite. So yeah, I'd be right. curious to see if, if Caleb Williams, especially considering the performance he just put together at Notre Dame Stadium, can he get his mind in the right place, try to keep the emotions to a certain degree, to allow himself to go out there and perform. You mentioned that it's it's a non-conference loss. So in terms of the Pac-12, it leaves them in a good spot. But in terms yeah. of their ultimate goal of getting to the college football playoff, yeah. they have to be unblemished the rest of the way if they want to get there. And they have to be unblemished and they have to look really good because yeah. that, was a, that was a humiliating loss uh, in South Bend. That doesn't take anything away from Notre Dame. Notre Dame's a good football team. Um, but – but the perception of USC right now is that that program, that they're they're kind of in disarray. And I don't think that's true, but that's the perception coming out of that game. You mentioned Oregon State beat UCLA in a top 20 matchup, 36-24. Arizona over Washington State. And then the big shock in the Pac-12 this week, Stanford over Colorado. Yeah. After Colorado was up 29-0, there's a lot of, of stories and, and let's call it hoopla that was surrounding the the Shador Sanders Instagram story at halftime when they're up by nearly 30. It's the largest comeback in Stanford history. Credit goes to the Cardinal for the way that they battled, for the way that they fought all the way through it and found a way to win it. But uh, three other scores that have implications, certainly. And that last one, just in terms of bowl eligibility, which felt like the main goal for Colorado going into this season was, hey, after the atrocity of what they put on the field last year for – Coach Prime to come in and get them to a bowl game should have been considered a win. They start strong. They had four wins coming in the last week. That would have gotten them one win away. And instead, they kind of tossed that opportunity aside. Yeah. Well, and I mean, doesn't it feel like Colorado has had like a full season of experience already? <laughs> I mean, they've had everything, right? The, I mean, the huge opening win, they got blew out in Oregon. They had to fight to beat Arizona. They've had the double overtime against Colorado. They've had everything, right? Now this. Um, yeah, I, I mean, it's it's a horrible loss for Colorado, you know, number one. 
But you do have to credit Stanford for not only fighting back, just fighting, period, not quitting, yeah. you know, coming out of the locker room and say, okay, that couldn't have been any worse in the first half. Let's treat this as a 30-minute game. And they fought and clawed their way back in it. And, uh, you know, I can't even pronounce the kid's name, the receiver. I mean, yeah, maybe <laughs> yeah. he's working I believe on it. It's, I believe it's Alec Ayomanor. Well, who, however you say it, I mean, he came out of nowhere, right? Red shirt freshman, 13 catches, 294 yards, and three touchdowns. The last one, he's like spinning off of Travis Hunter's head. Unreal. You know? So it was uh, an incredible individual performance by him, uh, but but quite the win for uh, for Stanford. Yeah, we're gonna have to confirm that because yeah, if he can right. play, if he can play at that level moving forward in his career, I mean, he had 294 yards, 13 catches, three touchdowns, and that one over Travis Hunter was one of the catches of the year around the country, basically pinned it on his helmet and then ripped it away. Yeah. So uh, remarkable stuff. A 29-point comeback is is nothing to, to sniff at. So, yeah, I think Colorado now, it's going to be it's going to be a fight to get to those six yeah. wins, and it's a, it's a shame considering the way they started the season, but Coach Prime will be as, as energized as ever. You can promise that much, and Shador Sanders will be ready to go into Brady mode and, and try yeah. to get his lick back, so to speak. Uh, ACC, by the way, also I find has been fascinating this year just because Florida State continues to cruise. They, they absolutely just blitz Syracuse 41-3. to And then UNC now still undefeated. Now you've got Tez Walker back and yeah. got three touchdowns right. in his game back here. They beat a top 25 team in Miami, which, again, if, they, if Miami had just taken a knee the week before, it would have been an, a battle of unbeatens and a right. top 20 matchup and all of that. But – 41-31, you know, Florida State is clearly in the driver's seat in the conference, but I like what UNC's doing, and they've got a great quarterback. they got their top weapon back, and, and right now, Mac Brown's team's just playing good football. They are. They're playing good football. They're playing good defense, you know. I mean, it's not just Drake May in the offense, and but certainly that offense is bolstered by Tez Walker. I mean, he's a game changer. Uh, he's a, you know, a, a unique combination of size and speed and ball skills. So, I mean, he is a great dynamic weapon now added back to that offense. So, uh, yeah, they, uh, they are fun to watch. And, and obviously when you, when you win like they're winning right now, uh, it just builds confidence, you know, yeah. and you just believe uh, so much more in what you're capable of doing. So uh, credit to them, you know, and to Matt Brown for putting it together this year. One last score from the ACC, Pitt over number 14, Louisville. Yeah. 38-21. And look, I think that obviously the, the win last week over Notre Dame was massive. They were undefeated on the season. They got inside the top 15. But it's year one under Jeff Brom. You can't, right. you can't expect that they're never going to have a letdown this year, that they're yeah. going to somehow shock the world and go undefeated or shock the world and find themselves in the ACC championship game. The fact that they had gotten to the point that they were at was already remarkable. So I, I still think – you know, you can you can say, hey, that's a bad loss. It is. It's not it's not, not a bad loss just because they're in year one. But I think there is still some grace that they deserve as a result. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, I mean, the, the problem is uh, it's hard to get your team up to play at their best A-level game week after week, you know. And, and uh, especially when they're hearing so much, whether it's on social media or kids in class, whatever, telling them how good they are and how great that win over Notre Dame was, which it was. But now you got to turn around and get ready to play another ACC opponent. And Pitt is not having a good year, but Pitt is tough. They're physical. And they always seem to win a game Yep. like this that they're not supposed to. You know, a few years ago was Clemson and Death Valley. I mean, you know, they always seem to muster up this kind of win somewhere in their season. And uh, it was a good win for Pat Narduzzi's team because they have been struggling, particularly on offense. Very much so. Uh, in the SEC, so we've been talking a lot, especially with the, the three teams in the Big Ten East, just about rankings and that number one ranking in particular. Georgia does beat Vanderbilt, but it wasn't simple, 37-20. And the big story coming out of this game is Brock Bowers. And that, mm -hmm. was, that was really the argument for Georgia all year was, all right, look, they, they might not look the same, but they've got maybe, if not the best, maybe the second best weapon in the receiving game behind Marvin Harrison Jr. in right. college football in Brock Bowers. And the, the high ankle sprain that he suffered in the game eventually required a minor surgery that he just had that's going to keep him out maybe for the rest of the regular season. And they're going to their bye week so they can prepare a little bit. But I, I, that's just such a brutal blow 
for a Georgia team that, look, is still going to have immense talent. It's still going to have a stingy defense. It's still going to have a lot of what other teams wish they could. But you're missing now a guy that's the legitimate game changer on your squad. Yeah, and he's bailed them out on several occasions. You know, I mean, he's a guy who, you know, when things are starting to get a little stagnant, you just find ways to get him to football, and he makes good things happen. And, you know, I can remember the first time I heard about this surgery that they do to, you know, fix or or expedite the recovery of a high ankle sprain. Tua had it done at Alabama, Mm. and I think he missed four games, you know, and then was able to come back. It was kind of amazing that he was able to come back. Um you know, he still wasn't completely 100%. Right. Uh, and for a quarterback, maybe it wasn't as important for a guy who's got to run and break and make cuts and, you know, run after the catch. It might be a little bit more difficult for Brock Bauer. But but Georgia will be seriously affected by his absence. I mean, there, there's no question about it because he's such a dynamic player. Um, you know, but the East is not, it's not what it's been. You know, it's not as strong as maybe some people thought. Uh, but you know you've got you've got Florida coming up in a couple of weeks. That big game in in Jacksonville and Florida is playing a little bit better. Graham Mertz is actually playing very well right now at quarterback for Florida. So you know that that's the game that looms ahead for them. Um, but right now Georgia is they will definitely feel the effects of no Brock Bauer. Yeah. So Florida is on October 28th, and then three ranked opponents, Missouri, Ole Miss, and at Tennessee. That's their next four games. Yeah, The surgery is expected to keep Bowers out for four to six weeks. But, I mean, you just never quite know how everybody recovers. Everybody's got a different timeline, especially with an injury like that. So we'll we'll keep tabs on it. But it'll be interesting to see how the Bulldogs do without their stud tight yeah. end. Uh, Alabama, I know I say it every week, and I'm going to say it every week. <laughs> I know that they started slow. I know that they had a loss to Texas early in the season. And I know they haven't looked dominant. But they keep finding ways to win. And yeah. they're going to keep finding ways to win. And they're going to be right back in the same spot at the end of the season because that's what Nick Saban does. So, yeah, they only beat Arkansas 24-21. to I get it. It wasn't a controlling victory. Right. But a win's a win. They're 6-1. and one, And Jalen Milrow is just, just finding enough. He's getting enough done to get them victories. Yeah, I mean, he he makes big plays, and then he makes some big mistakes. They have not protected him all that great. I mean, he gets sacked a lot. Um, you know, they're not necessarily a powerful running team, but at times their defense has been dominant, and, mm-hmm. and they have been able to shut people down when they need to. So they're really leaning on the strength of their defense and their quarterback's ability to just make some dynamic plays, either as a runner or a thrower. Uh, it's not always pretty, but but they're getting the W's. And, uh, you know, I think they're a team, and, a, and he's a quarterback, that the more they play, the better they should get, you know. And so by the end of the year, you know, they should be about as good as they can be. So right. so we'll see. But but credit to them finding ways to win. You know, the other team that you mentioned a moment ago that we should probably at least recognize because they bounced back, and that is Missouri. You know, no they, they lost a crazy game to LSU at home where, you know, LSU came back late and beat them. Uh, and they got past that, you know, mentally and emotionally, went to Kentucky and beat Kentucky. And so now they're sitting there, you know, with one loss. So it's uh, – I, I think they're a better football team than people maybe uh, realize. Very much so. They've had a, a tremendous year. And that is, to your point, not an easy thing to do after an emotional loss like that. A lot of times you get that boomerang loss. Didn't yeah. happen. For the Tigers, uh, Big Ten. Dive into the start of summer at Whole Foods Market. Check out their summer splash event with sales on fresh organic produce, organic strawberries, and a fan favorite sale on Ben and Jerry's and Talenti. Explore deals on grill-friendly meats like organic air-chilled chicken breast, beef and chicken kebabs, all with no antibiotics ever from our meat department. Plus, grab easy sides from prepared foods and cool off with refreshing drinks. Kick off your summer and shop in store or online at Whole Foods Market today. I won't let my moderate to severe plaque psoriasis symptoms define me. Emerge as you. In two clinical studies, Trimphia guselcumab, taken by injection, provided 90% clear skin at 16 weeks in 7 out of 10 adults with moderate to severe plaque psoriasis. In a study, nearly 7 out of 10 patients with 90% clear skin at 16 weeks were still clear at 5 years. At 1 year and thereafter, patients and healthcare providers knew that Trimphia was being used. This may have increased results. Results may vary. 
Serious allergic reactions may occur. Trimvia may increase your risk of infections and lower your ability to fight them. Before treatment, your doctor should check you for infections and tuberculosis. Tell your doctor if you have an infection or symptoms of infection, including fever, sweats, chills, muscle aches, or cough. Tell your doctor if you had a vaccine or plan to. Emerge as you. Learn more about Tremphia, including important safety information at Tremphia.com or call 1-877-578-3527. See our ad in Food & Wine magazine. For patients prescribed Tremphia, cost support may be available. Selling smoothies is what I do, but for small business insurance, I chose my State Farm agent. He's a small business owner, too, so he knew how to help me personalize my policies. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to an agent today. Big, the big three in the Big Ten East, all just simple victories. Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State, uh, Michigan over Indiana, 52-7. Ohio State over Purdue, 41-7. And then Penn State over as uh, the former Syracuse lacrosse coach, coach John Desco would call them. UMass, kind of like <laughs> fighters, you know, it's a little bit different. It was 63 nothing. Yeah. Uh, Penn State, Drew Aller, another three touchdowns through the air, another one on the ground. Uh, not really a whole lot to say about those three. We just no. kind of knew to what to expect from all three, and they got it done. Yeah, not a lot. I mean, you know, the thing with Michigan, and we're going to see them again this week, um, I don't know if I read this or heard this, but it, it kind of describes them to me. You know, they don't aren't necessarily the fastest starting team, sure. but but eventually they pull away and then they pummel you, you know. And so by the time you get to the fourth quarter, I mean, most teams they're playing are, are crying uncle. You know, it's just they've had enough. You know, they've had enough of the line. They've had enough of the physical defense and all the fresh bodies, and, and and you just kind of break people. And that's that's kind of what they've been able to do. And you can say, well, they haven't played anybody. Yes, their schedule is backloaded. We're going to start to find out what Michigan really is. We're going to start to find out what Penn State really is now, as soon as this week. Uh, but that's the way their schedule is. The bottom line is they've beaten everybody they've played by at least 24 points. You know, and then they play a ton of people. So it could have even be beating people by 40 points. But they sub and they play their backup quarterback and back up everybody. And so um, they're a really good football team. Um, and they just stay about their business and ultimately wear people down. Yeah, the key in, in all of this is they can start slow against teams that they're clearly head and shoulders better than, and the question is, can they do that against the Penn States, the Ohio States, and beyond? Yeah. Uh, it's funny, though, every week, I swear, our our stats and, and spotter upstairs, they're always like, Michigan's only up by – they're only up by seven right now. It's the second <laughs> quarter. Yeah. And I think we both look at them like, eh. Let's be a little patient here. Let's see what happens. And then they, within 15 minutes, like, they're up by 35. I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's what happens with them. So, yeah, uh, more business as usual. Ohio State, you know, I mean, that's a, that's a good win over Purdue, 41 to 7. Uh, the thing that's concerning, and, and, you know, obviously don't know the whole situation right now, I watching their film against Maryland. I thought their offensive line struggled to to do anything in the run game. I just thought that that Maryland's defensive front seven really handled the line of scrimmage, and and Ohio State was not able to run. And you know, if they have that kind of a problem against Penn State, you know, and are one dimensional, I think Penn State's too good on defense to be one dimensional. Now they've gotten away with it so far. Uh, but now they also, Trayvon Henderson didn't play for the second week. Yep. Mayan Williams didn't even make the trip. And the third guy got hurt in the game against Purdue. So I don't know what the status or the health status of their running back room is right now. And I'm not sold on the, you know, the cohesiveness of their offensive line in the run game right now. And that, that would be a, of concern getting ready for this big game coming up. We'll delve deeper in a moment there. Just uh, three more scores in particular to, to hit on real quick before we move on to previews for this week. Our game was fascinating. You know, yeah. we, we weren't really sure exactly what Illinois was going to look like heading to College Park and what Maryland was going to look like coming off their first loss of the season to Ohio State. Illinois wins on a game-winning field goal by Caleb Griffin, 27-24. to There's a lot to break down in this game. Let's first just state the obvious Maryland was missing five starters. Yeah. So let's start there. Two high-impact starters on the offensive end and three high-impact starters on the defensive end. Five yeah. guys that mean a lot to their team. But Illinois was missing a number of guys who, who are legitimate right. impact players, especially on that defensive front. And so 
Luke Altmeyer, the one interception was a, a tip ball. Otherwise, he took care of the football. Yeah. And that was really all Illinois needed. That's what it's really all they've needed all season to this point. And their defense ha, had played a pretty good game overall. Yeah, I thought they did. And, and I thought they played good defensively the week before against Nebraska. They, they just didn't get much going offensively. But but I thought they played a complete ball game. Um, and it was one of those things you could just feel this happening. And, and Mike Loxley, we had shots of him. And you could tell just by his facial expressions that he knew they were letting this team off the hook because they had a chance. There was a big swing right at the end of the first half. And then Illinois was able to come out and score to start the third quarter. And, and really Maryland had a chance to be up, you know, what, 21 to seven, maybe 21, seven. Yeah. Instead, you know, it's, it's 14, 14. And then, and so, you know, right there in that moment, Maryland let Illinois stay in the ball game. And when you do that to a team that's not expected to win or not expected to pull the upset, it gives them a great boost, great momentum, great confidence. They came out and played, you know, played the second half and, and uh, deserved the win. They really did. They played well. From the Maryland side real quick, we, we talked to everybody there. And, and their goal this season was to compete for a Big Ten championship, yeah. compete in the Big Ten East. This is a crushing loss in terms of that in particular. But they get the bye week this week. Then they go to Northwestern. That's a winnable game after their bye week would get them to bowl eligibility. And now, after that, we showed it. You know, their schedule is basically the two shots that they want. They got Penn State and they got Michigan. And they've got them at home. And so it's still a team, certainly, if they can get healthy, they get Corey Deitch's back because it felt like they missed him dearly, especially on third down, especially in the red zone this past week. They get those defensive backs back who mean so much to their team overall especially Dante Trader, who's a great tackler in that back line. They, they are talented. They are yeah. plenty talented to compete with those types of teams. The question is whether or not they can find a way to actually beat one of them. And if they play anywhere close to what they did last week, they got no shot. Yeah, and the problem is the, the reason this last loss was so crushing is now, I mean, to even be considered a, having a chance, they have to win both of them. They have right. to beat Penn State and Michigan and hope that, Ohio State loses another one, you know, so it's one of those things where uh, they really dug themselves a hole. Now, they can still have a great season and find their way into a really nice bowl game, but it's going to be very, very difficult for them to compete for a Big Ten championship because of that loss to Illinois. They could have survived the one to Ohio State if they come back and, and, and take care of business down the stretch, but now with two, it's going to make it very difficult. No doubt. Michigan State, who we will see this week as well, had a big-time lead on the road at Rutgers. And everybody was saying, all right, maybe it is the same old Rutgers after all. Maybe we over <laughs> overestimated, overjudged, overbelieved in what Greg Schiano was putting on the field. Not so fast! Not the so Scarlet fast. Lights, the Scarlet Knights, shout-out to Catherine Tappan. Shout-out, <laughs> are you rah-rah? They come all the way back after trailing 24-6 to going into the fourth and win it 27-24. Largest crowd at Rutgers since 2015, over 52,000 people there. And they got to see a wonderful comeback victory for the Scarlet Knights. Kyle Manungai with a big big game, 148 yards on the touchdown. Caden Hauser was the one who started for Michigan State and actually looked strong to start the game. Two touchdowns, ran for one. But, man, what a win for Rutgers. Yeah. What a win for yeah. Rutgers. And you know what? The funny thing is they announced that crowd, but but then I think a good portion of, of that crowd left before the comeback started. And and so they didn't have a huge crowd there at the end, but the guys, the people that stayed, uh, they got to see quite the comeback and quite a treat. And, you know, part of it was helped by some special teams miscues. You know, the the, the comeback really started. It was a, the punter for Michigan State fumbled a snap. It was, you know, it was wet weather. It wasn't great weather. Fumbled the snap in the end zone. It was recovered for a touchdown. Later on, there was a, a botched kickoff return. It was kind of a sky kick behind the front line, and they did not field it. And Rutgers was able to recover that and, and then ultimately score on the winning touchdown on the following play. And so great win for for Rutgers. I mean, and, and, you know, they got a chance to keep it going. They go to Indiana this week. Um, they're sitting there at five and two. They could get bowl eligible this week and also, uh, you know, kind of position themselves very nicely. Pretty remarkable. The, the one stat that stands out, fourth quarter yards 
yeah. Michigan State gets outgained by Rutgers 120 to minus 20 yeah. in the fourth quarter. So uh, credit to Rutgers, tough, tough loss for the Spartans. They felt like that was one that could at least give them some some positive feeling heading into this week against Michigan. And then the last last game that we need to at least hit on, Big Ten West, this was a, a massive, massive deal just with implications mm-hmm. on who could eventually find a way to win the Big Ten West. Iowa. I, I'm trying to find the right words here, Todd. I'm trying to figure out the right way to describe it. They win 15 to six. Yep. They win 15 to six. The the drive to 325, that feels like it's a, a distant yeah. memory. Yeah. That, that, that's almost, fantasy world. It's almost point. irrelevant at this point because Iowa now has somehow won another game. They are they only have one loss on the season. And you yeah. look at the schedule, they could if they just take care of what they can take care of, which we know they're capable of. They could finish 11 and one on the season. Yeah. Just looking at the rest of their slate. Remarkable stuff for Iowa now with a backup quarterback, Deacon Hill, who had 37 yards, 37 yards in the game. And they're ranked in the top 25 now, rightfully so, at 24. Uh, 15 to six final score. I mean, really, whatever your th- thoughts are here on this game, go for it. Yeah. Well, a couple of things. First of all, um, and I don't know that this would have made a difference, but Wisconsin's quarterback, Tanner Mordecai, went out in the second quarter with yeah. a as we find out now, is a broken hand. I know exactly what that injury is like. I mean, I did the same thing when I played for the Chiefs. I didn't break my hand, but I shattered the ligaments in my right thumb, just followed through and hit a helmet at the after you release the football. Really no way to avoid it, you know. But that's an unfortunate injury because he had actually been playing pretty well. You know, I think he'd done a nice job in his first year. He was an experienced guy, a veteran guy who, you know, played a lot of good ball at SMU. So now they have to go to Braden Locke, who's a transfer from Mississippi State, who's talented but just didn't have the same kind of experience. And and Locke played, you know, under those circumstances, put up decent numbers against Iowa's defense, but <clears throat> just hard to score, hard to score on those guys. And, you know, the other thing I'll say, okay, you mentioned 37 yards passing, right? The, the, this is the stat line for a winning team right? Six of 14 for 37 yards passing. He actually here's improved a, his completion percentage from yeah. week four. Here, here's another, here's another uh, stat. And, and I, I think this guy, I, I'm serious. This guy should have the biggest NIL deal of any <laughs> Iowa football player. Torrey Taylor, the punter, punting is winning, you know, the t-shirt. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. 10 punts. Now, normally, if you punt 10 times, that means you lo- you're you losing this game, right? Not for them. He punted 10 times. He averaged 50.6 yards per punt, and six of them were inside the 20. I mean, so, you know, they play to their strengths, which is their defense and their punter, and they, they pin you back, and they make you go the long field against their defense, and, and eventually, you know, they force you into mistakes. So every time we talk to Kirk Ferentz and we bring up Torrey Taylor, he basically says, I've had two of the greatest punters of all time, Torrey Taylor and Reggie Roby. Mm-hmm. And both of them were weapons for our team. That's one. Two, I got to double check on the stat that I saw, but I know that Fox put up the graphic during the game that at the time when Iowa had a, an eight-point lead or so, I think under Kirk Ferentz, they were 68-2 and two at any point <laughs> during the game. So I believe they're now 69-2. and two when they have at least an eight-point lead under Kirk Ferentz. That's, that's remarkable stuff. Yeah, that is remarkable. Really. That's, but it also is a, a perfect microcosm for what that program is. And so congratulations to the Hawkeyes. Another big win, 15-6. to six. They are in the driver's seat in the Big Ten West. And now we go to the previews for this week. Let's start with them. Minnesota travels to Kinnick, number 24, Iowa, NBC on 330. Uh, old school for both these teams they want to ground and pound they want to run the football we'll see what what minnesota has available in terms of health we know that they had a a little bit of of depth issues a couple of weeks ago before their bye week against michigan uh this is an interesting game for a variety of reasons but now iowa because they're in the driver's seat they've got a little bit more pressure on them to take care of business yeah i mean it was it... It's, it's hard for me to not think that Iowa is going to control that football game. Minnesota, uh, you know, I think that they've got some issues on offense. Your quarterback is still kind of feeling his way through it, and he will not have an easy day against this Iowa defense uh, playing at home. You know, Iowa just doesn't look anything like they did 
when they got blown out 31 to nothing up in Happy Valley, you know, on that night game in the whiteout game. Uh, they've gotten some healthy, some health back at their running back position. So they've actually got more than one guy they can rotate in there. Yes, they're on their backup quarterback. They don't have Cade McNamara anymore, uh, but their defense is starting to do take the ball away. You know, when we had them a couple of weeks ago, they hadn't had many takeaways. They had a few in our game, and they've continued that trend now. So uh, I think Iowa's playing Iowa football, and uh, they're going to be very difficult to beat, especially at home. Williams and Johnson in the backfield, over 700 yards on the season for Iowa. Defense now with 11 takeaways yeah. on the year. So just like that, you turn around, you say, okay, this is Phil Parker's defense coming to fruition again. It'll be interesting, but again, that's 3.30 on NBC. The big one in the Big Ten is uh, the Big Ten East Showdown. Number seven, Penn State. Number three, Ohio State. Penn State goes on the road. This feels like that prove-it moment for Penn State. Yeah. They haven't had quite that level yet. You know, as you mentioned, they played Iowa in the whiteout game. They, they controlled them. They dominated yeah. them. But this is the game of, all right, you want to show that this is a different team? You want to show that this is James Franklin's most talented team? You want to show that you're a title contender? Go to Columbus and win on the road. Yeah. Well, and I think they're built to, to play in this game. I, I think they match up really well with Ohio State. Again, I think the biggest key in this game, uh, I don't think it's going to be a high-scoring game. I think both defenses are playing at a very high level. You know, Ohio State's defense is playing remarkably well. And, and the thing they're doing a great job of that they struggled with at the end of last year was – giving up big plays. They are not allowing big plays. I mean, they're keeping everything in front. Uh, they don't have huge sack numbers or takeaway numbers, but they are playing really, really good defense, good team defense. And Penn State, uh, it's a different style. They're way, way more aggressive, attacking, blitzing, pressure. Uh, they've got two corners that they trust can play man-to-man all over the place. Uh, so Manny Diaz, is, I mean, he's very aggressive. Uh, but they're both outstanding defenses. So I think this is going to be a very low-scoring game. I think it's going to be determined and, and decided in the trenches uh, yeah. and who controls the line of scrimmage. Like I mentioned earlier, I, I've got some concern about Ohio State's offensive line. I think they're fine pass protecting, and Kyle McCord continues to play well and throw for over 300 yards. And uh, They're good pass blockers, although this will be the best challenge they faced in the Penn State pass rush and their edge guys, uh, but they, they're not running the football very well. And they've got injuries in the running back room. Um, you can't be one-dimensional and beat either one of these teams. Yep. The defenses are too good. You have to have balance throwing it and running it. And I think Penn State maybe is in a little better position right now to be balanced than Ohio State is. Chop Robinson, Adisa Isaac could have big games, no doubt, for Penn State. Uh, the question for me We've seen Kyle McCord now in some big moments, and he's come through. We go back a couple weeks, of course, to Notre Dame. He has the huge final drive, makes some massive throws on third and fourth down, leads them in for a game-winning touchdown against Maryland. They go down early in that game. He doesn't panic. He finds this guy, Marvin Harrison. So McCord's now been in some big moments. We haven't quite seen Drew Aller have to handle those exact type of feeling and energy and all of that on the road hostile environment in a big game that if you win, you put yourself in a really good position. If you lose, you're really behind the eight ball now, both in the big 10 and overall for the college football playoffs. So I'm curious how, how the youngster handles something like that. Yeah. You know, he, he, he played extremely well against Iowa, probably the best team that, that, that they faced. Right. And he was patient. He took what the defense gave him. He ended up throwing, I think four touchdown passes in the game, but he didn't, none of them were big explosive plays. He was very patient, very deliberate. It was a rainy night. He was very consistent. He didn't play as well on the road against Illinois or on the road against Northwestern, quite frankly. You know, and their offense showed inconsistencies at times. This will be the best team that they've played and the most hostile environment that they've played in. So he's going to have to play well. You know, and, and uh, you know, they are going to have to run the football and, and, again, have balance and not put all the pressure on their young quarterback. But, uh, again, I think Penn State, you know, they, they, they're they built for this game. I think they match up better with Ohio State than maybe they do with Michigan. And yeah. so uh, I think it's a situation where they should feel very confident going into Columbus about their ability to win. Yeah, I do agree with all of that. That, again, is noon on Fox. Both teams 6-0. Both teams looking for a statement victory just past the midway point of the season. 
Other games outside of the one we'll do just to hit on Rutgers at Indiana, Wisconsin at Illinois, Northwestern at Nebraska, any of those that, that particularly stand out. You mentioned Rutgers earlier just as a chance to, to get bowl eligible for the season. Yeah, I think, I think that's a, a, a cool story. You know, I think Greg's got it, got him going in the right direction there and, and a really good chance to, to make it with another win. Indiana's struggling, you know, even though they're playing at home. Uh, and Nebraska, you know, has a good chance to get a win at home. I think they're three and three right now coming off a of bye week. Yep. They have a chance to get on the winning side. And again, remember, this is a team that has not had a winning season or been to a bowl game in six consecutive years. So Matt Rule, it's it's not happening overnight, but I do believe that he will get it done there. And I said this in the very beginning, I think Nebraska will be a bowl team, and I, and I still think they will be. Yep, they're right there knocking on the door. I won't let my moderate to severe plaque psoriasis symptoms define me. Emerge as you. In two clinical studies, Trimphia guselcumab, taken by injection, provided 90% clear skin at 16 weeks in 7 out of 10 adults with moderate to severe plaque psoriasis. In a study, nearly 7 out of 10 patients with 90% clear skin at 16 weeks were still clearer at 5 years. At 1 year and thereafter, patients and healthcare providers knew that Trimphia was being used. This may have increased results. Results may vary. Serious allergic reactions may occur. Trimphia may increase your risk of infections and lower your ability to fight them. Before treatment, your doctor should check you for infections and tuberculosis. Tell your doctor if you have an infection or symptoms of infection, including fever, sweats, chills, muscle aches, or cough. Tell your doctor if you had a vaccine or plan to. Emerge as you. Learn more about Tremphia, including important safety information at Tremphia.com or call 1-877-578-3527. See our ad in Food & Wine magazine. For patients prescribed Tremphia, cost support may be available. You don't need a lot of money to do more with it. Join Padma Lakshmi, Viola Davis, and Fidelity's Women Talk Money team during our free Women's History Month series as we get real about ways you can start planning and saving for the future you want so you can feel good about your money every step of the way. Save your seat today at fidelity.com slash WHM. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Fidelity Brokerage Services, member NYSE, SIPC. Jake from State Farm here, hanging out with Mel's Mow and Grow. Mel chose State Farm for small business insurance because his local agent is a small business owner, too. So she knew how to help him personalize his policies. And now he's rolling in the green. Like a, like a good neighbor. Guys, I'm trying to do the line. Oh, sorry, Jake. It's all good. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to an agent today. Or... All right, 7.30 NBC, game we will be at Michigan at Michigan State. You can look at the the, the matchup on paper and say, all right, Michigan is going to overpower, or Michigan's going to do this, or they've just got, they're too talented, and Michigan State's in disarray. I don't care. When you've got a rivalry like this, when you've got a trophy game at stake, all that type of stuff, yeah. you throw a lot of that out the window. And especially when it's Michigan, Michigan State, especially considering the history, especially considering some of the moments of this matchup, I just find that that's fun. And I know that that's when chaos generally ensues. That's when craziness generally happens. So, I mean, we can we can analyze the game itself, but you played in rivalry games. You know how different they feel. Yeah, and I hope you're right. <laughs> I mean, because – you know, all that emotion, all that hype and all that can only get you so far. And then you've got to execute. And right now, Michigan is executing at a very, very high level on both sides of the ball. And Michigan State is not. You know, so uh, I'm interested to see, you know, they made the switch to Caton Hauser at quarterback. He, he played pretty well last week. He's going to have to play really well again this week. Uh, but uh, again, Michigan is a team right now that is hitting on all cylinders. You know, the only thing, their running game maybe is not as dominant as it was a year ago or the year before that, but J.J. McCarthy is playing lights out, you know, and Roman Wilson is playing lights out. So their, <clears throat> their passing game is definitely, uh, you know, much better than it's been, and, uh, and their defense has been stellar. I mean, the, their defense, the last time a team – through seven games has held their opponents to 10 points or fewer through seven games was 1981 Clemson in their national championship season, that defense. So again, they haven't played the best teams on their schedule yet, but they have suffocated everybody that they've played. 
Yeah, they're really good. I, there's really there's only so much that we can say. There's only so many superlatives that we can use. You just have to watch them to recognize just how special they are and how many guys they play. Like that's they don't get tired because they yeah. they just keep rolling different groups and they keep rolling different skill guys and they keep rolling different defensive linemen and linebackers. I mean, everybody eats for Michigan, right. and there's something to be said about that. The line is currently Michigan favored at 24 and a half, which mm-hmm. is probably fair considering the way this season has gone so far. But I'm excited to go. I'm excited to feel this rivalry. Oh, yeah. I've never felt yeah. this rivalry, and I'm excited to just kind of see what it's all about. Yeah, it's a cool stadium. I mean, hopefully we'll have a great crowd. Uh, and, and the key for Michigan State in a game like this, you, you have to get off to a good start. You yeah. got to have some things happen good for you early, you know, and then maybe you've got to find a way to steal a couple possessions, whether it's a, a fake kick, you know, or a fake field goal or an onside kick, something to where you can maybe steal a couple possessions and, and get your crowd energized early. So, uh, but it, it's, it's a good rivalry. Uh, you know, they don't care for each other all that much. Uh, you know, going back to the little brother comments from Mike Hart, who's the running back coach at Michigan right now. Um, you know, Tom Izzo will be there. He's a big supporter of the Spartan football team. He'll probably be on the sideline walking around. So uh, hopefully it'll be a great night. But it's a fun place for a game. That would be a heck of a way for Harlan Barnett to get his first win as, oh, the, as the acting head coach over yeah. at Michigan State as well. Again, 7.30 NBC is when kick is. 7 o'clock is when college countdown will begin. And you can find us there for all the action. Maria, Joshua, Mike Robb, I believe, unless he has another assignment, which is very possible, and uh, Matt Castle. So we've got the full squad there. We should have a lot of fun with it, and hopefully you'll join us as we head to our Xfinity Big Connections. And that's that's really here. I would say it's, it's right here, Xfinity Big Connections on and off the field. But the Paul Bunyan Trophy, Michigan leads the all-time matchup 72-38-5, so five ties, dating back to 1898. Trophy series in Michigan's favor, 39-29-2 since the beginning of the Paul Bunyan Trophy, so to speak, in 1953. And Michigan won last year's matchup 29-7 in Ann Arbor. Of course, there was the scuttlebutt after the game. There was the the jawing back and forth outside the locker room. There were a number of Spartans that got suspended for the rest of the season. The altercation led to eight suspensions in particular. And Jacoby Winman was one of them who – uh, was injured, and we'll see if – I believe he could be injured long-term for Michigan yeah. State. He was big for their defense, and they they really didn't recover fully without him. But th- it, there's just so much. 2021, both teams were, were undefeated, top-10 matchup. Kenneth Walker had nearly 200 yards, and we talked to Michigan a couple weeks ago about that one, and they told us that it was – it was the turning point of what yeah. has now allowed them to be the title contender that they are. They had a players only meeting after that one said, we're not going to let this define us. And they haven't. So a lot yeah. of credit to the, to the Wolverines for how they've handled it. But uh, there's just so much history with the Paul Bunyan trophy. And I think yeah. that is a very fair place to go with these big connections. Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think that's a good one. And, and remember, you know, I don't remember what year it was. I just remember my former partner, yeah. another Syracuse guy, yeah. Sean, you know, the one with the punt, the crazy play that the voice crack. Yeah. The voice voice crack introduced the first uh, surrender Cobra I think ever. Right. So, but yeah, that they've had some classic back and forth in this, in this series. Yeah. So hopefully we'll get something special in this one as well, but should be fun. As mentioned, excited to get over there to East Lansing, get a feel for what that, that vibe and environment looks like. And and we'll see if the Spartans can make it interesting over the course of the game. Any other games that you want to hit on before we get out of here outside the big 10, you know, Tennessee at Alabama, Duke, Utah, USC, and, Oregon's back in action against Washington State. Anything in particular that stands out? Just the Tennessee-Alabama, you know, just because I did that game a lot of times. It's, it's kind of – it doesn't always fall this way anymore on the, on the schedule, but it, it, for years and years the tradition was the third Saturday in October was Tennessee and Alabama, you know, and uh, just love the colors, love the pageantry of that game. The winning team, you know – probably not politically correct anymore, but the winning team has cigars in the locker room, you know, right. so it's kind of a, a tradition. Uh, but yeah, it's last year was one of the epic games of the season when Tennessee beat Alabama on a field goal to, at the end of the game. And so um, Alabama will be looking for a little revenge this year in Tuscaloosa. 
Yeah, that was uh, that was a game that catapulted Tennessee up, and that was kind of the start of the the questioning of Alabama, which has continued into this year. And so we'll see we'll see what happens there. Tennessee is is looking to kind of signature their their selves, signify mm-hmm. themselves for the rest of this season, and Alabama just trying to continue to to move forward with that. So we'll see what that looks like. Duke at FSU. We'll see if the Blue Devils have another upset up their up their sleeves here. That's going to be a good game. I, I think I the agree. line on that is 14, and I'm not so sure. I think Florida State will win, but I I, I, I wouldn't be too surprised about taking Duke and the points on that because Mike Elko's defense, is they're good. I mean, he, he's an outstanding defensive coach, and they figure out – he figures out a way to take away what you do best. And uh, so I I think Duke will be very competitive in that game. I think Florida State will win, but I think Duke will be very competitive. And your last thoughts, Utah and USC, just given what happened with those two teams last year and certainly yeah. USC coming off the big loss. Well, I do think USC will rebound. I think Caleb Williams will be – he'll be his old self in this game. Uh, but Utah is good. I mean, the question for Utah still is, you know, is Cam rising back? Is he not back? Because without him, they are pretty stagnant on offense right now. And and I think they're going to have to score to beat USC this week. No doubt. All right. Another one in the books. Week eight ahead. Looking forward to it. A lot of fun stuff as the college football picture really starts to crystallize itself. Heisman stuff crystallizing. College football playoff not that far away. We're in it now. We're in the thick of it. Nicole, Todd's wearing sweatshirts. I mean, this is what we've got now. This is big time stuff around the college football world. Well, we appreciate you for tuning in. Big talk with Todd and Noah presented by Xfinity 10G Network. Make sure you download and subscribe on the NBC Sports YouTube channel, wherever you get your audio podcasts. And as always, we will talk to you next week. I won't let my moderate to severe plaque psoriasis symptoms define me. Emerge as you. In two clinical studies, Trimphia guselcumab, taken by injection, provided 90% clear skin at 16 weeks in 7 out of 10 adults with moderate to severe plaque psoriasis. In a study, nearly 7 out of 10 patients with 90% clear skin at 16 weeks were still clearer at 5 years. At 1 year and thereafter, patients and healthcare providers knew that Trimphia was being used. This may have increased results. Results may vary. Serious allergic reactions may occur. Trimphia may increase your risk of infections and lower your ability to fight them. Before treatment, your doctor should check you for infections and tuberculosis. Tell your doctor if you have an infection or symptoms of infection, including fever, sweats, chills, muscle aches, or cough. Tell your doctor if you had a vaccine or plan to. Emerge as you. Learn more about Tremphia, including important safety information, at Tremphia.com or call 1-877-578-3527. See our ad in Food & Wine magazine. For patients prescribed Tremphia, cost support may be available. I know how to run a hair salon, but for small business insurance, I chose my State Farm agent. She's a small business owner, too, so she knew how to help me personalize my policies. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to an agent today.